Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the NRL Hunter podcast. I am here with Nick Loffenberg with Vortex Optics. Uh, we are having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nick, for all of the world that hasn't had the opportunity to meet you or, or, or uh, talk to you, can you tell our viewers, our listeners, uh, who you are and what you do for Vortex? Sure thing. Um, so I wear a few different hats, um, kind of specialize in the precision rifle realm. Um I help our dealer training team with some training events that are a little bit more uh, geared towards precision rifle or ballistics. Uh, I manage our precision rifle team, so sponsored shooters in the realm of precision rifle. And, um, you know, I, I do a lot of work with customers. Um, you know, I'm not on the technical support team anymore, which is where I actually started in consumer sales. Uh, however, you know, I do meet a lot of people at matches and events and become a kind of personal quick point of contact for anybody who has kind of advanced technical questions. You are basically the man, the liaison, the, the book of knowledge for precision rifle when it comes to Vortex. I, I won't say that exactly. I mean, I do appreciate that, but uh, there's, you know, that's one of the things I love about working for Vortex is there is a ton of knowledge there, and uh, um, there's a lot of folks there that I still go to with questions, and um, it's, a, it's a great place to work for many reasons, and that one, that being one of them. Awesome, awesome. Now, how long have you been with Vortex? And you started off in customer service, and now you're more on the marketing and public relations side and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. How did all that kind of transpire? Well, um, I, I had a series of jobs that I very much disliked. I've always been into shooting, um, always an outdoors kid, grew up in the country. And uh, at a fairly, I don't want to say young age, but maybe around you know, 12, 13 years old, I started getting into long range shooting and, uh, in, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, kind of studying ballistics a little bit, getting more and more into long range shooting. And, you know, I always had jobs that had nothing to do with that working in, um, you know, I worked for a, a government loan, uh, place I worked for, for basically for student loans, which was absolute hell. I hated that job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, I worked in the auto industry. Um, you know, I did sell cars, but I also did. I was a, a business development manager for a, a chain of dealerships. Okay. At the time that I worked there, there was three dealerships, so I did everything that was kind of electronic. You know, managed the website, worked with Auto Trader, Cars. dot com, all that, and then of course I, I sold cars as well. So that was a, a fairly high stress job, lots of hours. Um, you know, doing something that I definitely wasn't in my interest group. You know, if I was a car guy, I probably would have loved that job. Right. I'm not a car guy. I think cars are awesome, but I'm, I, you know, I know nothing about them. Um, my old man always told me I needed to apply at Vortex since it was about 12 minutes from me, and I always said no, no. I'm, you know, I, I kind of embarrassed. Uh, felt like I wasn't qualified to do that job. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to find something there that I truly like because they'd have somebody else there with higher expertise or more, you know, job history, um, in that area. And, 
Um, my brother-in-law was actually looking for um, some different work, and he saw a job opening there, and, and he sent it to me, and he said, you're, you're stupid if you don't apply for this job. It's right up your alley. And uh, I read it over, and uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I would always want to do, and it just happened to be technical support for Vortex Optics. Uh, take fielding customer calls about the equipment. Um, you know, it's funny. You watch the the falls here videos where they talk about, you know, maybe a guy's on a bear hunt and he drops his dope down the mountain, and and that guy calls in and say, "Hey, I, I quick, I need some data." I mean, that kind of stuff actually happens. It's it's one of the neatest jobs I've ever been involved in. Um, maybe not to that extent where somebody has to call on their hunt, but we I mean, we have taking customer service calls in the field. I have people ask me all the time how to set up a dope chart. I mean, I would, I mean, it's definitely not uh, technical support on an optic, but they just know that there's people there that know the answers to their questions and they know that we'll help. And they're going to get somebody on the phone within a couple of, you know, usually about 10 seconds of calling. So that, that is awesome. I mean, I had, I knew that you are definitely a, uh, a rifle enthusiast. I mean, we've known each other for a few years now and hung out at several different matches across the country. I had no idea that you'd started at such a young age, though. And this is kind of your, your dream job then. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. My favorite part about my job, and it's, it's I would say, a fairly small portion, is I like the training side. Not necessarily training in the in the... You know, sense that most people would think I just like introducing people how to shoot and teaching people to shoot, taking somebody who is interested in long range shooting, getting them behind a rifle, teaching them the fundamentals, you know, breaking down some of the more <clears throat> simple concepts of, you know, how a bullet reacts through flight, what causes, you know, wind deflection, um, what spin drift is, what aerodynamic jump is, you know, and, and seeing the look on their face and then realizing that that light switch of, oh, I actually understand that now. That is a beautiful thing to me. And I absolutely love it. It's definitely my favorite part of the job if I, when I get the chance to actually do it. That, that's huge. So you're actually a lot more, and this, this is my ignorance, but you're a lot more scientific and a, a lot more technical than I ever, I thought you were. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, no, no. I, I, I think uh, I think a lot, a lot of my job is is you know I, I do go to a lot of matches and spend time in the field and stuff, but I I don't really apply um, or have the opportunities. To, like if I work for a company, let's say like Apply Ballistics or something, um, you know, obviously that would be a large part of my job. Right. Uh, being that my primary part of my job has to do with you know sponsorship and events and our shooting team. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't get to put that into play as much as I would like to, but you know, uh, I do get to do it sometimes, which is great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, dude, I am super envious of that, and I think that's huge because a lot of people assume that because of of the NRL and and everything that I do, that I understand the science behind shooting. Oh, right? yeah, and the fact of the matter is. I don't understand, well, I'm not saying I don't understand any of it, but I understand very little of it in comparison to a lot of people out there. So right. when a lot of the technical questions start coming up to me and, and people are asking me about X, Y, Z and this and, and you know, whatever, um, 
a lot of times he's like, dude, I'm not a scientist. I'm an enthusiast. Go, <laughs> go, go talk to one of these guys, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, a lot of that probably just comes with it being a strong interest of mine at a young age. Um, I took on kind of long range shooting out of an, necessity for just becoming better at shooting in general i always kind of looked at it as you know if if i can be successful at a high percentage rate of hitting a target at let's say a thousand yards i know at 500 yards i'm going to be very proficient right and you know that was important for me as a hunter and uh you know i i kind of got into so I, i started off more on the archery side uh my father is a very talented competitive archer um and at a very young age i mean when i when i was uh, as soon as i was allowed to take a bow into the woods myself i did and um i had already shot a lot of competitions with him and did fairly well and uh had a lot of experience shooting with a bow but something about hunting with a bow um i couldn't I can't say I couldn't do, but I got so ex- insanely excited. I couldn't even stand up, um, you know, shaking uncontrollably, just, um, you know, a, a definitely buck fever, as they would say. And uh, I couldn't um, I couldn't do it as well as I wanted to. In fact, the first year I went, I, uh, I injured a couple of deer, and, for, and that, for me, was it. I don't have a problem hunting and killing just any animal. But I don't like making things suffer that don't need to. So I kind of took it upon myself to, okay, well, I'm going to be damn good with a rifle. And that's what I did. I I put all my eggs in the rifle basket and, uh, you know, tried tried to become as proficient with a rifle as I could. And that became, okay, well, I've kind of mastered this 100 and 200 yard thing. Let's go out further. And. Then it was okay. I'm I'm out at 500 yards. Okay, well I'm gonna push past that with my 308. Now what? Okay, well I better actually start learning some shit. And um, yep. after a, a few years of just kind of tinkering and learning how to reload and stuff, me and my dad put a this it was about a 20 inch wide gong out at 1350 yards at my on my family's farm, and uh, and that was kind of like our our fun thing. You know we we'd do some low development or um, go shoot at five, 600 yards. But then at the end of the day, we're like, well, let's go see if we can hit that gong, you know, nice. <laughs> and uh, nice. you know, doing with that with a 308 before you have uh, all the necessary knowledge is, is a task. So it is. that was, um, that was something that I, I got to hang my hat on quite a bit. You know, uh, if, if I was able to go even seven for 10 on a 20 inch wide target at, 1350 with my 308 i was damn happy yeah that's now huge. Um, we, we do that kind of thing i want to say on on the regular but um a lot more commonly now right but it's uh i mean it can still be a bit of a task but that yeah that was that's kind of the reason why i got into long range shooting out of just necessity to want to learn more that's awesome so how old were you when you took your first animal with a rifle i was 12 12 and uh, I'm first, that was first a deer. big game animal, or, or I guess first, yeah, I should big, say. Big game, yeah. Was that a, a deer? Uh, it was actually an antelope. Um, you know, I, I'm from I'm from Wisconsin, but antelope season was before whitetail season for me. So we were out west, and uh, my first my first antelope actually uh, I don't have the official score on it. I don't know if it was officially Boone and Crockett, but it was damn close. And that was my that was my first big game animal, and. Um, 
funny enough when when we uh, after uh, after I shot that and, and um, I remember the guy at the gas station when he when he saw it he was like well that kid's ruined for life <laughs> but <laughs> then we went back to Wisconsin and uh, my second big anim- big game animal was a a ten point buck which I think scored around one hundred and forty so I was uh, yeah it was pretty pretty good first year <laughs> I got them both yeah. uh, mounted in uh, in my stairwell so. Heck yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you're a hunter from a very young age. You figured out ethically you're going to be better with a rifle than with a, a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that passion grown and developed? I mean, do you hunt? Are you, not to classify it, but are you more of a trophy hunter or a put food in the freezer hunter or a combination I, of? I, I do definitely put myself in the uh, put food in the freezer uh type hunter uh we do on my family's property where i do most of my my rifle hunting uh we do practice quality deer management and you know if i'm gonna shoot a buck i want to take a big buck and it's not necessarily I, i i would rather take a trophy buck if i'm gonna take a buck and i find myself actually usually going out opening day of deer season and just telling my old man like, by the way i'm gonna be done early because i'm gonna take two does within the first 20 minutes and i'm done hunting you know because <laughs> i'll have meat in the freezer and you know he always rolls his eyes at me because my my old man's taking some insanely large deer uh for I, mean, I don't know, are you fairly familiar with like the whitetail rating system, or uh, you know what Boone and Crocker or uh, uh, Pope and Young is? I, I'm familiar with it. I don't, <clears throat> being completely honest with you, I don't quite understand how everything is scored uh, sure. because I know it's it's kind of complicated. Um, yeah, but I am familiar with it to a certain degree. So he's taken several Boone and Crockett, and one in 2005. He was actually in North American Whitetail for scored 232 non-typical. Uh, which is um, an absolute Goliath of a deer. And uh, he's, I think, a couple of years after that. So that was in 2005. So I think it was in 2007. He took another one, um, definitely had the same genetics. And it was, I think, 196. I, I could be wrong on that, but it, it, was, it was at least 190. Wow. And, so, and I mean, those are on his property? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, he's um, he's he's taking invitation? a lot. What's that? When am I getting an invitation? <laughs> <laughs> if it was my choice, man, I probably I'd already had you up there. But no, it's uh, I no. have I have no money into that property, so <laughs> definitely not my choice. I'm totally kidding, but that sounds epic. I mean, that's a child and a and basically an adult's hunting playground. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you said you're going to go out in 20 minutes, take two doe and be done. I've hunted four years in California and haven't shot anything in California. I think this this year and got out to where I sit and within the first hour, I probably saw 15 to 20 deer. Wow. That's amazing. That's yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you know, not all of them were sitting still, of course, but, right. you know, Wisconsin deer hunting, it's not as much, uh, Wisconsin deer hunting used to sound like opening day on the Civil War. I mean, it was boom, 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 but not anymore it's, you know, you hear a shot every two, three minutes, it seems like. So, it, not near as much deer running like crazy, but you, you'll still see plenty of deer. That's awesome. So, 
Okay, so hunting has been uh, basically you grew up as a hunter, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, Vortex was your dream job, and now you're at Vortex. Yeah. And how did the two, how did the two come together for you? Because, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, dream job at an, uh, a premier optics company, and mm-hmm. as a hunter. How I mean, how has that all worked out? Has one complemented the other with your knowledge from hunting, going to Vortex, and then being in Vortex customer support, um, and having different relationships? Has that helped you become a better hunter? Is there a, a correlation between the two, or are they just kind of symbiotic? I mean, I, I would say there's definitely a correlation between the two. Uh, for one, you know, working at Vortex has allowed me to get my hands on some stuff I never would have been able to afford before I worked at Vortex. Uh, I mean, I used a Gen 2 Razor and a hunting rifle this year. I mean, and that was that was like my dream scope when I before I started there, and, and now I got, I think, four or five of them. So, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a big difference is, uh, is the equipment that I'm using, but then also what I'm, how I'm using it. Um, you know, when I started in the customer service team or in doing technical support and stuff i had some knowledge going into both the long range shooting and the hunting so that did help with my job being able to talk to people and um you know having uh, a knowledge base that is i guess fairly well rounded as far as those two things go i i wasn't able to speak towards bow hunting as much because i had very little uh, of that, I mean, I, I know how to shoot a bow, but uh, as far as between a bow and a rifle, I definitely have more knowledge in the rifle area. Um, so yeah, that definitely did help me being a hunter going into it. Um, but as of now, the amount I learned a lot before I started working for Vortex, and I've, I've learned ten times that since the day I started. It, it, being just around other people in general that have a lot of the same interests as you and uh, in a lot of cases much more knowledge than me um, you know has allowed me to grow as a hunter and shooter I would say fairly dramatically just just from being able to learn something from somebody you know um, I have uh, I, I look at like Scott Parks for instance um, I use him as an example quite a bit. He was around when competitive long range shooting kind of started. Yeah. And so I can, I can reference him and come back and I can ask him questions about th- things that I just wasn't there for. I would have no way of learning it because I was, you know, 17 years old when it happened. Right. And, um, and then I look at, you know, I got like Ian dated. Clem. You just dated right. Scott, by the way, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And if he listens to this, he's probably going to give me a swift kick in the shin next time I see him. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather get kicked in the shin than punched in the face by him. He's a monster. Yeah, he's a big. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different people, a lot of different walks of life, with a lot of different knowledge. Um, so that's always very humbling. I know very little about historical firearms and stuff we got some guys that are absolute encyclopedias i can ask anything about any historical weapon and they got there's the answer right there um so that's always a good thing and if you have any interest in in you know hunting and outdoors and shooting uh, being at a place within the the firearms industry like vortex um, will just allow you to expand upon 
on that knowledge dramatically in a very short period of time. Nice. So with your pool of resources, you know, you're talking about a ton of different people at, at Vortex, which I think is, is phenomenal. But with managing, you know, part of the, the Vortex pro staff and their team and so on and so forth, um, on the precision rifle side, do you also work with the hunters that you sponsor or is that a separate department? That would be a separate area. Uh, on occasion, we kind of blend together. Um, I, that would be more directly with our marketing team. Um, I'm actually an extension of our sales department uh, just because of how we have things structured there. But um, you know, every once in a while, the nice thing about a company like Vortex is we're very cohesive. Um, so if somebody in marketing says, hey, Nick, I need you to chat with this person for me, I'll just hop on the phone with them. Or you know, if uh, the folks up that do the podcast, Jimmy and Mark, um, if they need my assistance for something that has to do with competitive precision shooting or, um, you know, that type of thing, uh, they'll just ask me if I can help and I'll just go help. It's, it's a very nice family type environment and it's, it's super easy to work together. So with the creation of the NRL Hunter series, it kind of mm -hmm. marries the competition side, which is your wheelhouse and the hunting side which is marketing's wheelhouse and puts it together. So how have you guys figured out how that's going to work? Did I just give you another hat to wear? Or, or, I mean, do I still get to hang out with no. you and shoot the hunter matches, or or do you I know, have to learn somebody else's name? <laughs> no, that one will, that one will still fall under me because um, it, it, it is gonna ultimately going to be competition. So right. yeah, as far as like uh, anything competition related, that's precision rifle competition that'll fall under me. Um, if it was just like hunting pro staff or like TV show personality or somebody like that, that, that would go to somebody else, but um, we'll still hang out, buddy. Awesome. All right, good. <laughs> I was like, man, <laughs> um, no, that that's great. Now with Vortex being the company that it is. So when I, when I look at Vortex, I see, and this might just be my, my marketing background, um, I don't see just a optics company, right? I see, when I look at, at Vortex compared to a lot of other brands out there, even mm -hmm. outside of the optics uh, wheelhouse, um, Vortex has really become more of a lifestyle company. I mean, you have Vortex Nation, you have Vortex um, clothing line, you have Vortex podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably forgetting a couple out there. Uh, but you guys have really encompassed a true firearms lifestyle. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we the just like you said, a lifestyle brand. That's that's kind of that's how we look at it too. So how do you being a lifestyle brand? How, and being on the sales and technical side, how is it that you guys deal with where to put your efforts? Meaning, um, you know, competition, it has to be a very small portion of Vortex's business because it's oh, yeah. not a large market. I mean, I, I would I, I, I would say 5% would probably be even stretching it, right? Right. Um, how big is the hunting segment or, or military? How big is... Like, how do you break down Vortex if you were to explain Vortex to a new person? Whew, way over my pay grade. Um, 
Um, you're you're definitely right on the nose with uh, the competition side of the market being much smaller. I mean, if you, I mean, I'd be throwing out some fabricated numbers here, but if I had to guess, if you look at, um, you know, just from a, a marketing standpoint, if you looked at Millelli competitive shooting and hunting, I would say hunting would be at least. 65 to 70 percent of our market the hunting side in this country is huge and um you know there's definitely some intermingling i mean a lot of competitive shooters hunt um, a lot of millelli hunts so you have that but not every hunter shoots competitively or not every hunter is military and law enforcement so there is definitely something to say about vortex and its connection with hunting because that's a that's definitely a huge part of our business do you know, and again, you might not have the answer to this, but do you know when, when Vortex first started, what they were going after? Were they going after those hunters or were they going after that military law enforcement contract? Or, you know, kind of what was your initial focus as a, as a company? Well, I can give you kind of that story and I know I'm going to get some of it wrong, but, um, so we kind of, we put that, that 2002 date as kind of our established date, but, um, uh, Dan and Margie Hamilton, the, the, the folks that, uh, started Vortex, um, they actually had, um, dealings in the optics industry before Vortex. Okay. So they had a wild birds on the story. And of course, Please excuse me again. I'm probably going to screw up the story a little bit. So Dan Hamilton um, served, I believe, two tours in Vietnam and two different branches of the military. Um, he was a dentist by trade. He had a Wild Birds Unlimited store. Him and his wife um, ran together. They sold optics, and uh, I believe from that they decided that they wanted to actually sell their own branded optics as well. So they came out with Eagle Optics, and then – and this is where I'm going to definitely get it wrong, but I think what happened was they had, um, they came out with a line within Eagle Optics called Vortex, and um, we made the decision at some point to start selling rifle scopes too, and that Vortex line of binoculars, I think it was, um, also had the Vortex rifle scopes, and then it just completely started to evolve into its own thing, uh, eventually becoming its own company. And I think it's about been about two years now. Uh, Vortex officially kind of absorbed Eagle Optics. Okay, very cool. That's awesome. And now you guys are internationally known. For your your optics, your warranty, your binoculars, your rangefinders—I mean, the the whole gambit—you guys have pretty much touched every sector that you can in the optics universe. Yeah, yeah, we've we've really tried. Uh, you know, I get a ton of people ask me, "When are you guys going to do night vision? When are you going to do thermal? When are you going to do uh, heat seekers? You know, whatever it is." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we came out with the uh, the bullet cam that you know basically right after I started, so that was that was fun, you know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> remember that. Um, so no, I I think right now um, we've expanded into a lot of different segments of the optics industry. Um, I'm sure that some of those other big projects that people would love to see us do will come eventually. But um, if I'm being perfectly frank, I know how many big irons we got in the fire right now and um 
we gotta we gotta crush those projects first. <laughs> so <laughs> all right, take do a little bit at a time and make sure it's the yeah. best it can be. Absolutely. So, with that being said, you guys, I mean, we're we're tip right now. We're in shot, show season, right? Shot show yeah. theoretically would have just passed. Um, you guys made some pretty big announcements in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, one of those being the the Fury HD five thousand AV. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge one. Um, that piece of equipment has quickly become, um, with with the exception of my Gen two razors, of course, uh, my favorite piece of gear from Vortex, just because it is so useful. I used to, I mean, the Fury uh, five thousand used to have that uh, that title, but um, just from the fact that I had my my binocular and the rangefinder all in one, uh, having that double piece of equipment, you know, that I could just leave in my Jeep and I would, you know, if I saw something, I wanted to get a quick range on it. Or if I want to, uh, if I was driving up to my mom and dad's house and I saw some deer in the field, I could stop and take a look, but I have all that just in one piece of equipment. And now we have the Fury 5000 with applied ballistics on board. I mean, that trifecta is a pretty amazing tool. It, so I'm going to be completely honest with everybody out there. I tried ordering one from Nick. And I, said, <laughs> I called him up. I was like, Nick, can I, I, I want a pair of these. I, I'm not worried. You know, I, I'm not worried about the, the price tag. I just, I got to have yeah. one of these. Um, and Nick takes, you know, takes care of the NRL family. He's just their sponsor. Um, and we appreciate your support as a sponsor. Of course. Um, yeah. But... You know, you're like, yeah, I'd love to. You, you typed it. You know, I heard the keyboard going, typed it in, and you're like, you're not going to like my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, the day that they debuted, they were already, uh, by, by the close of the first day, I think it was like five months back order by the end of the first day. Um, well, that's, that's one of the that's one of the things that I've actually always liked about Vortex is that we are a dealer direct company, so very little of our business is actually done except for you know people like you obviously fall under my friends and family pricing, um, so I can I can work with you directly. But we try to push everything out to our dealers. Right. Our dealers are our lifeline. Uh, they're the folks out in the field knocking it out on a any on a daily basis. Um, you know, those people deserve everything we can do for them because if without our dealers, we just wouldn't be here. Um, so we always that that's it's going to be the even for myself uh, as a consumer, maybe not just being an employee, but as a consumer, if I want to place an order for myself, <laughs> I'm waiting the same time for man. It sucks, but. Then- but it, you know, our, we do have a lot of dealers with them in stock right now, and um, and that's because they, you know, kind of have first dibs on when a, when a product's going to be coming. Of course, you know, they yeah. they get those things. So they're the priority. It is a a double edged sword, but it is also uh, it's it's. I think it's the right way to do it, being being dealer direct the way we are. I, I think so as well. I think it's phenomenal. What I am more impressed by is the day of the launch of the product being that far back ordered. I mean, yeah, th- that's huge. Um, yeah. What do you attribute that to? Uh, it, honestly, it comes down to sales volume. It doesn't really matter how many you can produce. There's not a way to keep up with it. Um, we had a very similar thing happen with our gen three, one to 10. Uh, I don't know if, um, 
I'm sure there, there's quite a few people with back orders on those things right now, but I think on the first day um, of Shot Show, we like we had already gone through our entire first and second batch. Wow. They are, if you if you have the right piece of equipment and people want it bad enough, there's no way you're going to come up. You're not going to be able to keep up. Right. It and and people want them. So that's you know the, the nature of the beast, unfortunately. But that, so that that's you. So it's like you... ammo right now. <laughs> right. Everybody wants ammo, man. Well, that means that ammo's gonna be hard to find. Ammo prices are astronomical. It's oh man, insane. Um, with the Fury HD ABs, the five thousand ABs. Um, now, obviously, there's a couple of other companies out there that are making rangefinder binos with, with mm-hmm. you know, applied ballistics or with some type of doping, uh, dope uh, solver uh, applied to them. What makes, because I, I haven't played with them, so I don't I don't know how right. to compare them. But Sorry what, about that. <laughs> <laughs> when I see you, I'm going to confiscate them for the day. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> why, why does Nick have the, the other brand in his hands? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they are. Um, so there are some differences. Um, there's some really cool differences. Uh, there, so some, there are some rangefinders that have the ability to repeat a solver for one. Uh, so you might have a rangefinder that connects to something like a Kestrel, right. and you range a target, and it grabs the data from the Kestrel and then populates it in the optics. Sometimes it'll just you range the target, sends the data over the Kestrel, and then it'll read it on the Kestrel. Um, then there are, uh, that's uh, that's the first group. And then you'll have optics that have a solver on board. Um, there are, I don't actually don't, I don't know how many, sol- or how many different optics currently run uh, applied ballistics on board, but I can, I can think of one right now. Um, but the uh, AB, or the Applied Ballistics that we have on board the Fury, is actually Applied Ballistics Elite. Whereas, I think, at this point in time, it is the only um, optic with the Elite version of Applied Ballistics on board. I think the other ones are all running light, which... Um, there's, I think there's quite a few differences, but I think that ranging capability in the data past a certain range is fairly, I would say, almost dramatically different. Gotcha. Okay, and price point is dramatically different from a lot of the other ones that are out there. Yeah, MSRP on it is two thousand, so I think it's like it's either fifteen or sixteen hundred. Don't quote me, but I, I think it's like around that fifteen or sixteen hundred dollar price point. So you have a ten by forty two binocular with a built in rangefinder capable on reflective targets out to five thousand yards with applied ballistics elite on board. Uh, it is pretty nasty piece of equipment i absolutely love it (laughs) (laughs) and that's going to be a big game changer for nrl hunter for nrl hunter it's honestly any match where you have to locate a target range a target and gather dope for a target uh all at once it's i hate to use the word game changer because it's used too much but it is a game changer for that right so how you obviously you've had the opportunity to play with it. How fast is it? And and the reason I ask that is I have a competitor's brand, and mm-hmm. it works great. But there's a certain amount of uh, lag before I get my dope. 
Yeah. Right? And there will always be a, some kind of lag because the computer has to process the information. Right. Um, I used – I actually used one hunting this year, and I want to say it was in the realm of about a second. Okay, so so and, and it actually it – is, it is quite fast, um, but it has got to read out – so it will read out the range. Uh, it, and you'll be in line of sight or, or LOS mode if you are using ballistics. Um, so it'll read out the range, the inclination, um, and then it'll go to the next page, which will read out the drop and then your wind. So that's one of the things about, about the Fury AB that is so, I think, such a beautiful part of it is that although it does have an app, a phone app, that is really handy if you want to manually change your atmosphere conditions, uh, load your ballistic profiles and everything, once you actually push that data over to the Fury, you can just put your phone away. You don't have to. It's a standalone piece of equipment after that. Okay, so they don't have to be synced anymore. <clears throat> no, no. Once, they, once you sync them, send the data over, which I think you can create... 99 profiles it's either 99 or 100 i think it's 99 for some reason um you can create a whole bunch of profiles and one of the nice things about the fact that it has ab elite is that you can utilize custom curves your uh pdms your personalized drop models so if uh um if you get a chance to meet up with the guys over at apply ballistics our guys and girls uh, <laughs> if you if you uh bump into them at a match or something and you have a pdm made for your rifle um then all you have to do is pull it up in your uh, fury app connect it to your bullet or your uh, uh your weapon profile and then sync it to your furies and then you can put the the app away and then you just have everything on board and you can load up to three different um three different profiles at once on your fury so if i had my you know my prs rifle Rifle, my hunting rifle, and my go-to AR platform. Um, I, that's all I really need. I just need to be able to page a couple of different rifles if I want to. And if I need a different rifle besides the ones that got loaded, I just go ahead and push it from the app and put the phone away again. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay. So, the Fury AB, right? You also came out and introduced a complete line of tripods. Right. Yep. Um, the, the tripods that you released, the tripod market, let's say in, in general, we've seen different optic companies over the years kind of dabble in it, you know, maybe mm -hmm. kind of an afterthought um, where they're like, well, we have to have something to hold up our spotter or hold up, right. you know, exactly. um, so we might as well throw our name on one. But right. it doesn't look like that's what you guys did. I mean, it looks like you guys have really created a dedicated line of tripods right the the thing for us is i mean yeah we've always had tripods because we've sold optics that go on top of tripods and you know the tripods that we had were fine they get the job done they do what they're supposed to do but people always wanted better and you know we, we weren't when we when we decided to to redo our tripods and that's really what we do we, we revamp the whole line you even notice that the names are the same for a reason and we did add the radian to that list as well uh which is the big one that it, it's a very heavy duty platform that you right. can shoot off of um I think but that's when what we I ordered, correct yep yeah, yeah. you got a, a radian yeah yeah you can you can put a lot of weight on that thing and it's very sturdy platform for shooting off of um but that was our intent was to revamp our tripod line and i don't know how many times people will call and 
hey, which tripod of yours should I use for shooting off? And it's like, man, none of them. I mean, that's not what they're made for. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and I would always recommend a good brand. I've uh, got a lot of friends in the industry that also, you know, make tripods, sell tripods. And, you know, I'll, I'll have to recommend one of those. And, um, you know, I, I think when, when we got to a point where we're revamping an entire tripod line, somebody says, why in the hell don't we just come out with a tripod you can shoot off too for doing the whole line again. It's like, well, you might as well. So that's what we did. Um, and, uh, I, I'll, I'll be very frank and open that we're not going after trying to be the dominant tripod company in the company. We're an optics company. We're a lifestyle brand, but we're an optics company. And, uh, and if you want the absolute top tier of tripods in the world, you know, you're probably not going to grab one of ours. If you want a really good tripod that does everything that you could possibly ask it to do and be very happy with it, ours are great. I absolutely love using all of ours. Um, the Radian people always gravitate to because it's huge. And uh, it, actually on the box and the Radian's one of my rifles, um, one of my one of my good friends, uh, Isaiah Curtis, actually built for me. And um, that's an awesome tripod. My favorite of the line is actually the Ridgeview, and that is a it's a very tall carbon fiber tripod. Um, it's again not made for shooting off of. Um, if a guy is pretty talented and has a fairly lightweight weapon, it's actually it's quite stable. Um, and I will probably be using it hunting in coming years because it, it is it is very good. Um, but yeah, it's. It's, it's nice to heck finally have the tripods taken care of as well because so many times people want to just go buy everything Vortex and, and they're like, well, yeah, I couldn't buy the tripod because, you know, I like this one better. That's fine. You know, you know we only sell the tripods because people need a tripod to go with their, with their spotting with scope. Their scope. <laughs> yeah. So. But you have those guys, like you said, out there that are just true diehard Vortex fans, you know. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And they want everything Vortex. And I, I think it's very smart that you guys came out with it. Now, um, yes, the, you know, there are companies that make a better tripod, but they specialize in they specialize making tripods. In that. So, and that means that they should make better tripods. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If, it, if yeah. Vortex is making better tripods than a company that is 100% dedicated <laughs> to tripods, then right. good for you and shame on them. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, um, no, the the other ones on the market. I mean, and you're you're probably going to find them to be a little bit more expensive, but you just kind of have have to ask yourself: do, do you want the top tier, or do you want the one that falls just below the top tier? And if you want the top tier, then you're going to buy the top tier. If you want one that's more affordable and will still do what you need it to do, then you'll probably look at ours. So right, and you know that's that that's a great question. So. As a hunter, right, there's a large, inside the hunting community, there's a large um, difference even between hunters where you'll have guys who go out and money's no object. You know, a $40,000, $100,000 hunt's not a big deal to them, whereas for, you know, majority of us, that's a bucketless dream hunt, right? Right, um, yeah. When you're buying hunting gear, um both personally and professionally okay here we'll do this professionally i'm a okay. new hunter nick i'm by i'm i'm building a 6.5 creedmoor um you know hunting rifle and i'm, I'm mainly going after uh deer and and, and antelope 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot, a lot of great things about Vortex. Uh, where do I start, and what what do you recommend for me? Well, that's a good question. So uh, the first thing I always try to look at is what is the minimum range that you're going to be able to shoot? A lot of people get hung up on what's my max magnification. I, I truly am a I'm a big proponent of looking at what the minimum magnification is. If 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 my closest range shots ten yards, I'm probably not going to look at something that starts at six power because right. at ten yards you're just going to see a brown mess when you're looking through the scope. Um, at that point, you you're looking at something in the one power range probably. So that's a good place to start. Figure out what is the lowest magnification that you need for hunting. Um, just because I know that you can take animals at nearly point blank range or three power, I like to start around three power. Two or three power is great. Okay. Um, then I would look at features and price. So everybody so what, always says, you know, do you price doesn't matter. Well, right. What, yeah. What so mean, features. What, 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 what's a feature on the scope? You look through it, it, it magnifies. You say, "What do you mean features? Right. Well, what does this thing uh, do?" Uh, first versus second focal plane is a big thing. Uh, we often will push people in you know hunting scenarios towards second focal plane, and a lot of that is as you decrease magnification on a second focal plane optic, the reticle will not appear to be growing and shrinking. It'll look the same. Uh, the downside of that is that the subtensions are technically changing in relation to the target. Um, but the benefit is in lower light, uh, at closer ranges, when you're in low magnification, you still have a very prominent bold reticle to use. Um, I personally will hunt with a first focal plane reticle. Maybe it's because I have good enough eyes that I can still see that very fine crosshair on low magnification. Um, you know, Maybe it's just I'm, I have my rifle scope set up. Uh, properly for my eye so there's a lot of different factors but the fact of the matter is the reticle will look harder to see on lower magnification no doubt about it uh now okay nick if you're shooting first focal plane i want to shoot first focal plane (laughs) okay there you go well well, what other features do i need to worry about buying buying this scope some people make a big deal of illumination i don't uh, I have used illumination before um, in a hunting scenario, but it is pretty rare. So I would say that that is, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Okay. You know, that, that doesn't matter so much to me. I, I, uh, I live in California. I can't shoot at night, so I don't care about <laughs> illumination. Right, uh, the next thing next? I would look at as far as uh, um, features would probably be the reticle design. Um, do for one. And I'll actually mix that in with turret design. Do you plan to do all your shots with holdover, or would you like to be able to dial your drop into your scope using the turrets? So, I don't dial wind. I, I okay. Just I, I never have. I, I yeah. I understand it, but I never have. But I want to always be able to dial if I can my dope. Okay. Yeah, you want to be able to grab your elevation knob my and turn elevation. it to. Okay, perfect. Um, so that means that we need an exposed target-style turret system. Um, now, you can look at, does it have a zero stop? Does it have a rev indicator? Uh, is it a locking turret? So those are all important features to consider. I don't personally have a problem hunting with a rifle scope that does not have a locking turret, but it sure can be nice if you want just that extra confidence that you did not accidentally bump it. Um 
for that reason, something like our Razer LHT is a fantastic optic. We have it's a three to fifteen by forty-two. Um, we have an MOA version and an MRAD version, and then we also have a BDC version that is in a fifty millimeter. Okay, you just totally lost me, bro. What is <laughs> MOA, MRAD? What, what are all these acronyms? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well. MOA uh, stands for minute of angle. Uh, minute of angle is an angular unit of measurement. So depending on the distance from its uh, point of origin, the size in an, a linear unit such as inches will be changing. Uh, so for instance, a minute of angle at 100 yards is approximately an inch. Uh, equates up to 1.047 inches. So for you know, sake of argument, we just kind of call it an inch. Okay. So a lot of folks like to use minute of angle for that reason. It does equate back to an inch pretty well. So at 200 yards, it's about two inches, 300 yards, about three inches and so on. Um, so that's what a minute of angle is. Uh, one milliradian uh, or MRAD is uh, at a hundred yards, about 3.6 inches. Uh, so you, you immediately probably will look at that and be like, well, that's, that's a silly number. I don't want to use that. Um, but if you are uh, in a country that does not use an imperial system and, and looks at metric system, then it might make a lot of sense to you because a tenth of a mil is one centimeter at 100 meters. So then it becomes a very easy uh, system to equate back to a linear unit. Uh, a lot of competition shooters use mil because of the fact that it's actually broken down to tenth increments. So rather than being in a quarter or an eighth click value, each click is worth a tenth of a mil. Where this is useful is if you're trying to break down a formula fast. So your, uh, your ballistic solver will likely read out to you in a uh, decimal. Um, so like 3.6 mils. Well, I can easily dial to 3.6, but if it reads out in 3.6 uh, minutes and I want to dial that in my scope, now I've got to convert that 0.6 into a fraction around to the nearest quarter or around to the nearest eighth. Um, so, so it makes the process a lot easier for somebody like me who likes to work in uh, tenths, um, right. a 0.1 increment. So that's that's why a lot of folks use mills. Um, the other thing for at least competition side is a lot of shooters will run mills because everybody else is. And uh, it's really easy to communicate with each other. If somebody comes off the line and says, I held five tenths and I looked out my dope on my arm and it says I should be holding a mill. I know that I got a problem and I should really look at, uh, or at least, at least possibly have a problem and reconsider my wind call. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. definitely one of the people that tells everybody, do not just do what the guy in front of you did because <laughs> you're shooting a different rifle and he might have a zero that's off. So, right. so you just confused me. You, you said Eberhardt and Mills, that's the same thing or they're different things? Yes, they are the same thing. Uh, um, they're just different acronyms. Um, okay. MRAD and MILS stand for, are short for milliradian. Um, a, a lot of guys get confused when they see like a mil dot reticle. That has nothing to do with military. Everybody thinks, oh, it's a military dot reticle. No, 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 no. It's, it's, uh, the dots are spaced out from center to center of the next dot is one milliradian apart. Okay, so Nick, what what do you think I should go with as a new hunter? Never, I've never bought a nice high end scope. Should I go with MOA, uh, MOA, or or Milradian? I actually like to encourage people to try Mil. 
Milleradian, okay. MRAD, um, simply to even even if you're somebody who's very used to using MOA, it's nice to understand both. Because in that odd situation where you're working with somebody who's using the other, being able to convert them back and forth quickly in your head is nice. It's also really nice not to have to do that. Um, the other thing to consider is what your buddy's using. You know, if you if you're going hunting with a group of guys and you're all using MOA except for you, then it's gonna be difficult for you to work with at least talk um, as far as your drop and and all that information goes. Right. It would kind of depend on the type of hunt you're doing. If you're going to be shooting a lot of long range, um, then I would, again, I actually probably would come right back to what is everybody else using. Um, if you're going to be hunting by yourself, just use what you're familiar with because they, they both do the same thing. They both equate for drop in uh, an angular unit. Okay. Now, with everything that you've told me, which platform or, or which scope um, would you have? Would you recommend that I buy? And, and how much is that going to be? Uh, so I would probably tell you to go pick up the three to fifteen by forty two Razor uh, LHT. Um, and I would probably, well, of course, it comes back to Miller MOA. Uh, which are you from, more familiar with? So, so as your new hunter, I'm <laughs> quote unquote with, new hunter, <laughs> your quote unquote new hunter, <laughs> I'm going to go with what you recommend because you're the industry expert. Personally, well, I've always shot Mill, personally, but Okay. Um, yeah. um so as a uh, as a new hunter. <laughs> um, <laughs> you see, up- I wish you guys, you listeners could see the faces <laughs> we're making at each other right now. <laughs> uh, as a new hunter, I would just go ahead and pick up the MOA. Uh, and I say that because if you get yourself around other new hunters and also in the hunting scene, I would say MOA is more popular anyways. Um, and it's because you can relate things back to, you know, inch at a hundred or two inches at 200, etc. Um, so yeah, I would probably just go ahead and start with an MOA scope, but you know, once you get familiar with that setup, then I would probably consider picking one up in mill as well so that you can get used to that too. So you're just a more well-rounded individual. You're just trying to sell me two scopes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, in the 3 to 15 LHT, it's going to cross that bridge between, it really is the, the perfect rifle scope for somebody who's, uh, competition shooters that like hunting, it's a fantastic optic, because you do have a reticle that's broken down into an angular unit, um, not necessarily with bullet drop holds, um, but uh, and it has, especially holds on the wind, um, stadia that's a really great thing because if you do compensate for your elevation dialing a turret i still want to be able to do an accurate wind hold mm-hmm. and um that's a great system for it being able to still hold off and and make a, an educated um point of aim based on my knowledge is uh, you know worth its weight in gold so what does the lht retail for roughly Ooh, i think it is hmm i'd actually have to look it up i it's somewhere around the same as our psd gen 2 uh okay. which is i think it's like shoot i'd just be throwing it out there but somewhere in the realm of 1200 bucks i think well you guys should look it up on vortex's website 
Yeah, and we're gonna have the full MSRP listed on the website. But go and check out one of our dealers. Um, you know, AA Optics, Euro Optic, Optics Planet. You know, they'll all have roughly the same price listed, and that's what you can pick it up for. Okay. So, as a quote unquote new hunter, what else do I need that Vortex offers that is going to help me become more successful? Well, definitely a support optic. Um, that's going to be important, uh, you know, depending on the ranges that you're hunting. You know, if you're going to be hunting within 100 yards at all times, then I would say, you know, you probably don't need, um, you know, a range finder unless you're a bow hunter. Then you definitely need the range finder. But right. with your rifle set up, uh, if you're hunting within 100 yards at all times, you probably don't need um, a range finder. Uh, um, a support optic like uh, a pair of binoculars would be huge. Um you know, something that like our new Fury AB that has a rangefinder and a binocular all one, great, but you definitely don't need to spend that much money or get something like that when, you know, a set of our Diamondback HD 10x42s would get the job done wonderfully at, you know, about 250 300 bucks. So um, definitely a support optic because you don't want to be looking for your animal through a rifle scope in case there is other hunters in the area, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Now... Why would I want binos over a spotting scope? Magnification and field of view. So a pair of binoculars, um, having a lower magnification, also being a double barrel uh, setup, you're going to have a larger field of view. So it's going to be easier to locate um, targets or animals, whatever you're, whatever you're looking for in the woods or on the plains. You want to be able to have a, a large field that you can visually see everything downrange and enough magnification to identify what it is. If you are, you know, out on, you know, maybe an antelope hunt in Wyoming, something like a 12 or a 15 is a great optic uh, magnification. If I'm back here in Wisconsin hunting in the woods with uh, my max shot around 300 yards, then I'll probably grab a, an 8 by 42 an A-power optic instead. Um, and that's going to, by decreasing the magnification, I'm going to en enlarge my field of view. Um, there's some other factors that go into magnification and uh, light transmission being one of them. It's important to consider uh, how well my optic will allow light to pass through it and essentially be received by my eye. Um, an 8x42 is a fantastic option for uh, a huge amount of light transmission and a very large field of view. And if you consider you know, an 8-power optic, if you're looking at a target, let's say, uh, 800 yards away it looks like it's only 100 yards from you so on the same if it's 80 yards away it looks like it's only 10 yards from you so uh in that type of situation that's a fantastic size optic terrific okay so we got a scope picked out we got a pair of binos picked out um rangefinder i think would be a good idea to have right yeah but i don't you definitely know if the wife will let me spend the money on an ab 5000 <laughs> when i don't even have any meat in the freezer yet so right. you know what what range finder should i be looking at yeah you, you probably i mean if you're going to be hunting in in you know those uh you know four three four hundred yard ranges uh, a range finder that is capable out to five uh, five thousand yards is probably not a necessity um something that is capable on a reflective target out to you know 12, 13, 1400 yards would be more than enough. A uh, big thing to keep in mind with range finders is uh, if you look at like the way we break them down, um, 
like we have a ranger 1800 that means that that rangefinder is capable on reflective targets meaning an ideal target that has high reflectivity because the way a rangefinder works is you send a beam out and it's got to send back some information and that's what it tells you so hold on is an animal considered reflective nope no, that is a fairly non-reflective target, somewhere around 40% reflectivity. So, like, trees have a higher reflectivity than, let's say, a white-tailed deer. Um, uh, so, so like, uh, just a good example, um, so you have some idea, uh, the Fury 5000. Um, the reflectivity, on a reflective target, is about 5,000 yards. A tree is, I think, around... Gosh, I think it's on our website, but it's somewhere around 1,600, I think. And then a deer would be like 1,300. Okay. Um, now, if you keep in mind that you can range other things, so that, like if you have a deer sitting there and you can't pick up the deer, range the tree sitting next to it or the rock face right behind it. Um, so that, you know, because stuff like rocks, harder, denser targets are actually going to send back that reflectivity point better. So overestimating the amount of rangefinder needed to accomplish the job, you know, if I, if I know I'm not going to shoot past 500 yards, something with a thousand yard ranging capabilities, more than enough. Um, I don't know if we have anything anymore that has, uh, that's limited to a thousand yards. Um, we have the, um, I, I usually tell people to start by looking at something a little bit more, Again, overestimate what you need. Uh, our Ranger 1800 is a lot of rangefinder for fairly low price. We do have the Impact, which is one step down. That one, uh, reflectivity range is at 1,000 yards. Um, so honestly, for let's say a bow hunter, you're definitely not shooting your bow 1,000 yards. You're not shooting no. your bow 500 yards. The Impact is way more than enough rangefinder. Um, the Ranger 1800 is one of my favorites uh, just from the fact of how, how affordable it is and how powerful it is. MSRP on it's uh, 500 bucks, um, okay. And that's the full MSRP. That is not what you're going to be paying in a dealer. That's so street, you expect right. less than that. Right, that's not street price. Mm-hmm. So um, that is uh, a great optic, uh, especially when you consider what, what it's going to cost you. And um, if you're shooting at a fairly reflective target, I mean, it'll do all of a mile. So, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. And and 99.9% of the people or the hunters out there should not be shooting past, you know, 800 or 1,000 yards. Yeah, please so, don't. Yeah. So, <laughs> remember, I mean, just because your equipment may be capable of doing it doesn't mean you are. There's very few people in the world and um, in the United States that – um, that could tell me they took a thousand yard shot and, and I would be okay with it. Um, right. and, and I could name all those people on both hands, if probably one hand. Um, and, uh, all those people, I, I know, I know a few of them myself and if they tell me that I'll still roll my eyes at them. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, dude, work on it's your like, stocking skills. Yeah. Uh, to give you the idea, though, um, we were talking about the reflective versus non-reflective range. Uh, just for an example, the Ranger 1800 uh, reflective range um, be, will be good from 10 to 1800 yards. Uh, the uh, ranging on a deer 10 to 900 yards. Plenty. So Plenty. a fairly reflective target, it'll still pick up 
out of range much further than you're actually going to engage that animal. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So that would be a good one to go with. Okay. Now, I've heard Vortex has the best or one of the best warranty programs in the industry. Yeah. I, yeah, I, we do. I've heard rumors of guys dropping scopes off of mountainsides and oh, yeah. you guys replacing it and all of these stories. How much of this is true and what, as a consumer um, who have never dealt with you before, quote unquote, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> what, right. <laughs> what, what can I expect as, from a warranty program? Am I going to get an automated response that says, give me your information, we'll call you back in five hours? No, definitely not. Um, so we do have, uh, if, if anybody has an equal uh, warranty to us, then I, I applaud you because I I know how good our warranty is and um, why that is important to me. So one of the things that we, you know, a, a good friend of mine, Tony Jamelli, actually told me this at SHOT Show a couple of years back, and he said, you guys should really consider rebranding your warranty. And I said, well, that sounds stupid, Tony. Why is that? You know? <laughs> and he said, you shouldn't call it a warranty because it doesn't just cover the optic. You think about this, it's covering the user uh, and and the stupid things us users do. You know, because, yeah. you know, if, if I'm on my hunting trip and I knock over my rifle into the fire and it destroys my optic – well, that most certainly isn't the optics company's fault. It's right. my fault. Um, but we'll take care of that customer just the same. Now, the only thing um, that we don't cover is intentional damage. So, you know, if, if uh, you have a, a Viper PST Gen 1 and you decide to take a ball-peen hammer to it and send it into us, um, it, I mean, well, you, you probably just destroyed your rifle scope, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you I get mean, the idiot of the year award. <laughs> oh, and people people try it, but you know the the fact of the matter is, like, let's say that you have, let's say that you have a Viper PST Gen One. I mean, we don't make that scope anymore. Now we do have one of the nice things about having a shop the way we do is we can repair just about anything. Um, if we can't repair it and we no longer manufacture it, though, the chances are we'll we'll just replace it and. If we don't have any more, we're going to upgrade you anyways. So if you're somebody who values a good deal, you know, if I was going to buy a single rifle scope, I know that I can wholeheartedly save up the extra money, you know, buy once, cry once, put a bunch of money into that piece of equipment because it doesn't matter what happens to it unless I intentionally destroy that optic then I have an optic for the rest of my life because even if it's discontinued or whatever, we can't repair it when you destroy it. It's, we'll just replace it or upgrade it. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a pretty beautiful thing. I mean, people get worried about, I I like to be able to use my equipment. I'm not, I I don't want to buy something that costs, you know, $2,500 and then say, well, shoot, now I got to, take it out and, and baby it and put it into right. a padded case every night before bed. I want to take it out and beat the shit out of it. That um, our gen two razor is a testament to that. You know, um, people slam that thing into barricades and, and knock it over. And, you know, it, those things rarely hiccup just cause they are so tough. But if one ever breaks them, 
you know, we'll take care of it, man. Don't worry about it. You know, and I want to be able to use everything that I buy because what's the point? So if I'm walking through a river and I slip and fall and I fall on my rifle and my mm-hmm. glass shatters, you'll replace mm-hmm. it or fix it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. If I'm in Alaska and I call you and and as a regular Joe Schmo customer and I'm like, dude, I'm on my hunting trip. I just matched my rifle scope. I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks. I just got here. What mm-hmm. is the likelihood that I'm going to get a replacement scope in enough time? Really high. Yeah, we we, t- we take every instance um, on a case by case basis. If you have somebody, I mean, we have a a word that we use quite a bit, and it's called care, and it's not in in uh, in the way that you would probably think. Um, it's it stands for create a rare experience. And uh, like every cu- every customer is important, and every situation is different. Even if even if it seems to be the same situation, you know, guy was mounting a scope, bought cheap rings, and torqued them down with something he took out of the motorcade, and he destroys his optic in the process. You know, you have you have we have that type of thing happen quite a bit, and. But every time something like that happens, it's still something different, still a new person. And you have to treat everybody as an individual. And making that person's day is usually at the push of a button for us. So it's better to create that rare experience for somebody and make them happy um, and make that person a customer for life. That's awesome. I've, um, I've never heard that acronym that way. I, I knew you cared about me. Oh yeah, <laughs> care very deeply about you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's um, you know, a lot of people like to mix match their gear. They like certain things from certain companies, and there's nobody out there saying that you have to buy all one brand, right? No. But Vortex is truly one of those companies that offers something for everybody in every category pretty much yeah yeah it's uh if if you're need if you i mean i i use rifle scopes as an example all the time because we do have quite a diverse selection of at least uh weapon mounted optics i should say um because we have a very diverse selection um it doesn't matter if you're military and law enforcement a hunter competitive shooter um, and you can break it down further than that. I mean, if you're an F-class shooter, PRS shooter, um, uh, if you are shooting three-gun, um, if you need a red dot, you need a holographic sight, you need a you know, low-power variable, um, you know, we have something for everybody, and we have one at just about every price point. Right. And you're you constantly... Know, from- Evolve. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah I'll, sorry. always evolve. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's that's a big thing. Is I mean, you know, that I would say it's almost the downside of us is the fact that we do have so many different things because a lot of people get confused. They go on our website and they click on rifle scopes and they're like, well, why is you know I, I got a Razer AMG, Razer Gen three, Razer Gen two, Razer Gen two E, Razer HD, Razer LHT, and that's before we even get out of the razors and we got another what you know 
15. Right. And so there's there's a ton of different options, and it's a matter of locating what's the best one for you. And that's where our customer service team, our uh, consumer sales guys come in handy is that we are so fast on the phone. If you if it's during business hours and you call us, you will have somebody on the phone within. If, if you had to wait a minute, I would be extremely surprised. So is there a number or an email address that people can reach your customer or technical support and, and say, yeah. hey, I'm a new hunter. I'm going to be doing this. I don't know mm-hmm. what to buy because you've got too much going on on, on uh, different names and I'm just I don't know what any of this is right what number or email do they call in uh, to? your phone number would be 800 for vortex so okay. pretty tough one to remember there okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, extension 5 will take you to our technical support team Ooh, he uh, even gave in you the fact extension. yeah right yeah uh, uh, the uh, in fact, if you get frustrated with the prompts and you hit zero, I think it'll still take you to them. Um, <laughs> uh, if you have questions on one of our optics or need some technical guidance and you're somebody who prefers to email, uh, it's just info at vortexoptics.com. Awesome, awesome. Um, you're saying, so LHT is going to be your, your personal best choice for the NRO Hunter series is what you would recommend. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would uh, I would consider something with first focal plane, knowing that it is something competition related. If it was just a dedicated hunting rifle, I'd probably do the LHT. If um, if I'm going to be using it for competition purposes, then I would also consider the Viper PST Gen two three to fifteen first focal plane uh, for a lot of the same reasons. But being that. Uh, I guess I've never shot an NRL Hunter match. I'm hoping to get a couple in this year, but nobody uh, shot one yet. <laughs> They're still new. right. Yeah, I'm. I would probably consider the uh, Viper PST Gen Two just from the fact that it does have. I, I do dial my win sometimes. You know, if I know my high and low value, a lot of times I'm dialing my low value, and then you know, favor on the win side of the target, so that increase my chances of getting an impact. Um, so that is that is something to consider, but uh, if it's going to be a de- again a dedicated hunting rifle, the uh, LHT is going to be the way to go. Now, if you're also trying to stick into the the lightweight class, that's another thing to consider. Is the LHT is extremely light. Do you know what that weight is off the top of your head? If, if not, no off big deal. Off the top of my head, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I'd rather just look it up real quick here since it's right in front of me. <laughs> Um, the three to fifteen by forty-two in particular is da 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 um, nineteen point one ounces. Oh, it's extremely light. It's an extremely light. I mean, if you compare it to let's say like our Gen two Razor four and a half to twenty-seven, that's a forty-eight forty-eight ounce optic, so right. it's three pounds. So yeah, the LHT is very lightweight. So if you have a um, a, ri- a rifle setup that you're just like, oh, oh, I can't put a heavy optic on there because I'm going to be way over my weight. Right. And the LHC might be the choice for you just out of that reason. I wonder out there how many manufacturers hate us now because everyone's calling and asking what weight is that they don't oh, have listed on their website. <laughs> yeah, the, the weight length, you know, parallax range, yeah. maximum, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all on there. We try to list out all of our specs so people don't have to call us, but we're available for you if you do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
Well, Nick, this whole show has been awesome, and I really appreciate you coming on. Is is there anything that you want to say to our listeners or anything before we wrap up here? Uh, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about entirely, and that's partially my fault, um, something about the Fury AB that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in knowing, uh, and it, it comes down to the wind functionality. So you have two different wind modes. You have full crosswind mode, so a wind from either the 3 or 9 o'clock direction. You can increase or decrease the value in either direction. Uh, but we also have wind-bearing capture. So okay, all, what, what is that? Yeah, so all long-range shooters know how important wind direction is. Um, you know, If you have a 10 o'clock wind versus an 11 o'clock wind, the amount that that can change your point of impact as far as wind deflection goes is fairly dramatic, um, especially when you start dealing with high wind speeds at at long ranges. Um, So wind-bearing capture means that you aim your binocular in the direction that the wind's coming from. Um, so if, especially if you're on uh, maybe a sunny day with a wide open range and you can pan the horizon until you see a boil in the mirage, um, you literally ping the wing direction with the optic and then it saves that azimuth. So oh, it has okay. a built-in compass and um, it'll save that bearing and it'll save it for all future use until you re-ping a different wind direction. So if I know that I have a wind coming from my 7 o'clock position... I ping that wind direction, and then I can range targets anywhere, and it'll remember where that wind was coming from, and it'll factor it into the formula. And you just use your wind buttons on there to uh, increase and decrease the uh, velocity of the wind. That's awesome. That's interesting. Now, it is super accurate. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how how accurate is it? And then you just said super accurate, so that answers that. But updates, that, that raises the other question. How often and how do you update the uh, AB? Uh, well, that's that's actually just on applied ballistics at that point. It's whenever they have an update to their solver, um, then you can update the uh, the Fury as well, uh, and you do that all from the mobile app. And all you have to do is resync it, and that's it. Easy. So they come out yeah. with a new profile, whatever. As, yeah. long, as fast as they launch it, we can get it updated to the absolutely the unit. Yeah, uh, that's in the accuracy. Um, it's as accurate as the uh, Applied Ballistics Elite Solver is, uh, which has uh, been you know kind of tried and true, highly tested, very accurate uh, ballistic solver. So, yeah, it's um, it's you know I had uh, a friend of mine uh, who was messing with one the other day. He called me and let me know that hey, it was off point zero one mils at. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I think that you arranged something wrong. And he said, yep, me too. <laughs> so he, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's extremely accurate. It's more accurate than we can shoot. I'll say that. Awesome. Awesome. Now we're talking about all, you know, we've talked about, we've heard, we've seen all of the hype about the new binoculars. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody out in the field that has them already? that we're going to be able to go and bug and, and, and try to play with them from? Um, I'm trying to think of people who actually have them that... Does Isaiah Curtis have them? Um, Isaiah does, yes. Yeah, so he should be at some matches, I would imagine. Yeah, Ryan um, I'm trying to think if Ryan has one yet. Hmm... I'd actually have to look up and see who's got them to mess with already. Um, 
but I know that Isaiah has one. So and I, I and he shoots a lot of NRL. So uh, if uh, you see him in a match, ask him. So when I see Isaiah tie him up and, and grab his brain house and run, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a fun piece of gear, and um, if you're serious about long range shooting, long range hunting, um, you know, obviously considering getting into the NRL hunt series, and it's definitely, you know, it might not be something that you're going to pick up right away, but you know, it's going to be something that you wish you had really fast. There you go, there you go. And if you're interested in picking up a pair, uh, your online retailers, if your brick and mortars don't have them. Um, yep. you said a lot of the online retailers do have them available right now. Yeah, I think actually some people have them in stock. Um, I'd have to look them up, but yeah, I think quite a few of our retailers actually have them in stock. Awesome. So you guys go check them out. You guys have, uh, Vortex has a bunch of videos and a bunch of information out on them already. Um, Vortex, like I said, they're a lifestyle company, but their marketing and their, their whole engine behind what makes Vortex so so damn popular is uh, top tier. They're, they're experts at what they do. And so um, I'm always amazed at everything that they put out from a, uh, a consumer and a professional standpoint. So kudos to you guys. On, on Thanks, Travis. Thank you. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I hope I get to – I don't know what our schedule's – are, are like as far as running into each other but hopefully i get to see you soon um yes hopefully i, I really appreciate you being on the show today i'm sorry for beating you up on a couple of those questions <laughs> <laughs> right i should have had a priceless printed out before this <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny because he's like travis what are we talking about don't worry about it bro we're just don't gonna have a conversation <laughs> <laughs> you mean I don't have to be prepared? No, you don't have to be prepared. But totally set you up. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, but go check out Vortex, uh, their website, their social media. Vortex has multiple social media sites. Um, you have the optics one. You have the lifestyle one. Uh, go follow and, and look for all of them. Uh, it's always they have different things and, and cool stuff on all of them. Um, so go check them out. Um, Vortex. Uh, what am I missing? Am I missing anything? Um, definitely uh, go to vortexoptics.com when you have some time. If you're interested in our products or things that we have coming down the road, um, our podcast, uh, we have a newsletter you can sign up for. We don't spam you with stuff. I know people get worried about that. But if we do have an, an optic come out and you want to get notified that, um, that it has been released and you want information for it right away, uh, we always try to do that. Um, we also have... Our, our podcast is is fantastic, and it's it's continuing to grow. We have a lot of wonderful information on there. So if you're interested in learning about something, honestly, just about anything, we've had podcasts from uh, you know uh, ELR shooting, you know, long range ballistics, all the way down to tracking deer. So I mean, we cover a lot of things. So if you're interested in anything outdoors, we probably got some of it. Didn't out you there. also do like a cooking show one time or something like that? Oh yeah, yeah. We've done cooking episodes. We've done. Uh, um, so cool, and we we even did one on on uh, commercial fishing. I mean, we're not a fishing company, but yeah. uh, it's the outdoors. We love the outdoors, and why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> why not? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Absolutely. Vortex Nation, Nick Loffenberg, you did a phenomenal job. I really appreciate it. Thanks, um, until next time, you guys. Thank you guys for listening. 
Uh, until next time, you guys be safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you all at the range. Take care.